Blog Talk I was pressing Radio. the buttons, Blog Talk. God's sake, Blog Talk Radio. I was pressing the buttons. I don't know why you didn't hear me. Don't tell me you can't hear me pressing more than four digits, you stupid machine. Oh, hi, Doghouse. Welcome to Pat oh. Nightly, sponsored by FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Reddington, also known as Federal Baseball's Mr. Jackpot. I've got Doghouse here on the line after the Nationals' 14-4 win. And after Blog Talk Radio tried to keep me from doing this show, always pressing me. Jerks, man. I was pressing the numbers. It just wouldn't recognize them, so I had to reboot my phone, and then that took forever. And it's kind of like being a Reds fan watching this game. 14-4 to in the end. Daniel Murphy goes wild yet again. We'll get to him in a second. We'll also get to the big trade that went down before the game, perfectly timed right when everyone's sitting down to start covering the game. Nationals acquire Sean Doolittle and Ryan Madsen, as we discussed, possibly happening yesterday. They bolster their bullpen. We'll talk about whether or not Mike Rizzo is done. But we'll start with Tanner Roark today. Four losses in his last five starts before a relief appearance ended his first half. 39 hits, 13 walks, 27 runs, 24 earned, and 22 and a third in each pitcher over that stretch. That's a 9-5-3 ERA. 3-8-2-4-5-3-5-78 line against over that stretch, which is just brutal. Uh, he ends up going six innings pitch today, three runs, none of them earned. The defense betrayed him a little bit, 101 pitches total. Uh, he looked better out there. He still doesn't look like the Tanner Roark of old. That pinpoint accuracy and control isn't quite there from what I've seen, but uh, got plenty of offensive support today, more than enough that he can go out there and still continue to work things out. Uh, ends up striking out five, walking three, a, a good but not great start from Tanner Roark out there. Yeah, betrayed by some defense and betrayed by Tim Timmons, too, I might say. Uh, I've got that on the list. A pretty good outing. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Uh, A pretty good outing for Roark here. He made it through six uh, on, like, I think right around 100 pitches, maybe 105, something like that. Uh, A lot better than having to take 120 to get through three or four, which is, you know, what what the uh, previous uh, attempts have been uh, earlier in the season. So I, I think this looks like a good bounce back. Um, I've chosen to cling to my faith in Roark uh, all throughout the first half because uh, he's he's a guy who's struggled with adversity before in the minors and in adapting to his role in the majors. I, I believe he can adapt and overcome. And maybe with uh, a few days off here, this uh, this first outing out of the break, uh, he's shown us some some resilience, going out, throwing good pitches. He managed contact pretty well today. Uh, he got some swing and misses uh, and and had a, a nice outing. Um, I, I'm not going to expect that he puts this up every time, but I, I think if he can get something reasonably close to this, the Nats are in pretty good shape uh, as soon as they cobble together some sort of Franken-fifth starter. <laughs> I really like Homer Christian Bailey's work out there. Uh, Velvet Goldmine, he was really good in American Psycho. It's Patrick Bateman, Laurel Canyon, <laughs> an under, underrated film he's done there. Uh, Batman, of course, The New World, Terrence Malick film, even Rescue Dawn yeah. with uh, Werner, Werner Herzog film. I'm just going up his whole IMDb here. The Prestige, an underrated <laughs> Christopher <laughs> Nolan movie. But his best performance yet might have come in the third inning. Uh, strike three, swinging a ball that did not hit the dirt. Uh, Jose Lobatone caught the swinging third strike there. Bailey ran down to first as if the ball had hit the dirt. The umpires apparently 
either all miss it or all were faked by that great acting by Homer Christian Bailey. Uh, they give him the base there. He ends up scoring two runs score in that inning. Uh, really just a horrible blown call there by Tim Timmons. I don't know if he didn't see it or what was going on there. Dusty Baker didn't look too happy. None of the other umps were able to overturn the call there. And at least for the first runs, Roark gives up. Well, I, I was uh, listening to, to Charlie and Dave and, uh, and uh, uh, Bob and, and Ray, both going back and forth, trying to figure out what was going on with that. And, Near as I can tell, Timmons rung him up. So Lobaton said, great, threw the ball around. But Bailey took off for first, and the first base umpire overruled the home plate umpire and said, no, the ball hit the ground, still in play, after Timmons had rung him up. So what do you, what do, you do there? One umpire has made a call. You've acted on that call, and then another umpire overrules the call, both which, of course, was wrong. Replay showed that the ball was in his glove cleanly, although I guess that's not reviewable because it's not a batted ball, so you can't review the catch. Uh, the, the best part of this was the official scorer going back and forth trying to figure out <laughs> how to score it because, you know, you can't reach on a drop third strike unless someone makes an error. It has to either be a pass ball or a wild pitch, but it was neither. The pitch was there, and he caught it. Uh, as, as far as I can tell, the way it was resolved is that they gave Lobaton a throwing error for throwing to the wrong base. So <laughs> yeah. that, that's how not it was scored. Thro- not and it's, it, it's, uh, it's not, uh, not an earned run. So, you know, uh, Roark at least pitched a clean game. Yeah, that's a that's a tough error there on Jose Lobaton who could struggle yeah. essentially not not throwing to first base, throwing it around the bases after what was an obvious strikeout. Uh, he gets charged. Originally, it was noted as a pass ball. Uh, Jorge Castillo from the uh, Washington Post was going back and forth with that while they were arguing it out in the press box in Cincinnati, apparently. But he gets a rough error call. That's the final one there, the final uh, official call there. This is our foie section. <laughs> Two-run home run oh, on a yeah. 1-0 fastball from, from Bailey in the first. 2-0 uh, early, number 15 for Murphy, who never had more than 14 in a full season before last year. Uh, yay, launch angle, I have written in my notes here. Three-run blast for yeah. the second home run, 7-2 to two at that point. Uh, Murphy, two home runs. Adam Lind with a home run. Rendon and Lobatone get one each, uh, five total in seven innings at that point, they end up scoring 14 runs, 10-plus runs for the 17th time in 91 games. A uh, big day from Daniel Murphy, but the offense as a whole just really continuing to pound the uh, Reds here. I think they what, they scored 5 nothing in the first, 10 yesterday, 14 today, just a ridiculous total for a three-run set here so far, three-game set here so far. Well, so- someone's got to be the beneficiary of all that run support that's not going to be able to go to Joe Roth anymore, you know, poor guy. Uh-huh. Uh, so it, it, it might as well be Roark. Um, uh, I got to say that there were at least a couple of small park specials in this one. I think Murphy's first home run is, is dies on the track in that's park. Uh, that second one in the corner probably makes it out. And I think pretty much all the rest of them were, were legit home runs, but, uh, you know, playing the small park, dying the small park here on, uh, on a couple of those there. Uh, a, a great outpouring of, of offense. You know, we, we see everyone 
continuing to make adjustments or just continuing to rake where no adjustment is necessary. Uh, I, I got to say, I was I was delighted when Harper squared around to bunt uh, at one point in the game. Just you know, at, at this point, I don't care if he trolls us by trying to bunt for a hit. That's that or bunt for a hit. That was that was great considering how far back he was getting played in the shift. Um, I mean, as I recall, I think he got a single in that at bat anyway, or maybe he walked. Uh, g- great production, um, and let's 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 keep that going. Uh, Joe Blanton isn't always going to strike out the side. <laughs> and Trevor Gott's not going to have a clean inning every time either. <laughs> yeah. Romero, Blanton, Gott finish it out three uh, three innings. Romero gave up a run. Uh, two hits and a walk for him in his outing. Uh, Trevor Gott got his ERA down to 30. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, the, big, the big news on the day after the Nationals improved to 55 and 36, uh, before they improved, I should say. Uh, Project Bullpen, Mike Rizzo makes his first move. Blake Trinan, 2016 second and third round picks. Jesus Lazardo and Sheldon Noose to the A's for Sean Doolittle and Ryan Madsen. Uh, a big trade for the Nationals here. Madsen, 36 years old, uh, 206 ERA, 243 six walks, 1.37 walks per nine, 39 Ks. That's 8.92 Ks per nine and 38 and a third so far. Uh, Doolittle, 30-year-old lefty, 3.38 ERA, 234 FIP, two walks, 0.84 walks per nine, uh, 31 Ks, 13.08 Ks per nine and 21 in the third. Uh, he's dealt with some shoulder injuries over the last couple of years. For three years now, uh, left shoulder strains been troubling him for the last few seasons, but he's apparently healthy now and back out there on the mound. Uh, Ken Rosenthal was the first I saw with it, at least. Uh, says that Athletics viewed Lozardo as a younger version of Gio Gonzalez. He appears to be the centerpiece of the trade for them. Uh, what do you think about the Nationals dealing Blake Trinan? I guess we'll start there. And uh, the return, Doolittle and Madsen coming to bolster this relief core. I will note that in his post-game comments, which I haven't seen in full yet, but uh, again, Jorge Castillo from the Washington Post notes that uh, Dusty Baker said he isn't sure who will close, that it could be both Madsen and uh, Doolittle. You have a left-right combination there at the back end of the bullpen. Do you think Mike Rizzo is done? Do you think the closer comes from one of these two or Coda Glover if he comes back? And your thoughts overall on a big deal for the Nationals? Uh I, I'm a little sorry to see Trinan go. Uh, I've always liked him. I've always liked his approach. Uh, in, in spite of the struggles that he's had this season, it looked to me like he was starting to turn it around. Uh, that said, as, as a, a number of people on Fission Broadcast today have said, it, it could just be he needs a change of scene. And so best of luck to him in his future endeavors, except when he plays the Nats. Look at the, the return Madsen and, and Doolittle are both uh, interesting guys. Uh, Madsen, you know, spent a lot of time injured before he came back to the Royals in 2015. Uh, he has sort of this season reinvented himself as a ground ball pitcher. He's had a lot of success reducing his fly ball rate. It's at a it's at a career low, uh, and I think that's been behind a lot of his success. Uh, his his overall record is, is really sort of anomalous in terms of his, uh, his, his PIP and his ERA in uh, the results that he's getting this year. Uh, if he can maintain that and he's just having a good season for whatever reason, great. If, uh, if this is just 
uh, a mirage. Oh, well, you can hear me now say I told you so. So there's that. Uh, he does have pretty good uh, statistics in terms of getting a lot of, of softer contact uh, this season. And I've been trying to figure out if it is just a statistical blip. It looks like he's changed his pitch mix this year, uh, throwing a curveball a lot more, reducing his reliance on the changeup, uh, maybe throwing a, uh, not as many fastballs. Uh, but it's really hard to say on half a season's of d- data. But if, if you want to believe in Madsen, uh, there's enough there that you can believe in him. Same for Doolittle. Um, he's a guy who's been fairly successful. His big plus, plus is that his walk rate is really low, and this season especially low. He's walking about one in 40 of batters faced, and he is uh, at the same time striking out almost 40% of batters faced. So that's certainly the kind of stuff that you would like to see in your leverage ace. I'm not sure this is quite the overwhelming high leverage guy that you'd like to see. Um, If the Nats were in a position where they had to fight to make the playoffs, I'd say this is the move to make to get them in the playoffs so that they, they cut down on all those blown saves that we saw in the first half. This is the duo that can do that. Um, in terms of having that, that bulletproof relief core in a playoff situation, I'm not sure this quite gets you there. And my suspicion is Rizzo has one more big move to make. And if he brings in one more big arm, bigger than both of these guys, then this is the huge win-now move. That's going to make this that bullpen very solid and I think a, a serious contender for a long postseason run. Yeah, I, the thing that stuck out for me with Doolittle, I'm uh, just checking back in a couple of years to see what his splits are like there, but so far this season hasn't given up a, a hit to a left-hander in 23 at-bats. Obviously, he's a little limited there because of the injury issues. He's missed some time this year, but uh, that's impressive, to say the least. Uh, 226, 255, 415 line against versus right-handers, pretty good on that side too, but 23 at-bats against lefties without giving up a hit. Uh, all the stuff coming out of the postseason stuff, uh, post-game stuff, I should say, seems to hint that one of these guys is going gonna, is gonna to be looked at as a closer. So I, I'm kind of on the boat with you there, too. I hope that there's still another deal coming. Uh, they did this trade without giving up any of their top prospects, though. I'm a little higher on them. Jesus Lazardo. I haven't seen him much, obviously, based on what I've read in scouting reports. I know everyone likes to pass that off as their own scouting on the internet, but I've only read good things about him. The, the Nationals obviously thought highly of him, uh, giving him a $1.4 million signing bonus when they took him in the third round after he had Tommy John surgery. I think he's made three starts back at the Gulf Coast League level at this point, so uh, you're projecting there what he's going to end up doing, but they obviously like him a lot. The A's obviously like him a lot too, but trying and uh, his struggles this season frustrated everyone in the nation's capital. I'm sure his coach is on top of it, especially after what he did last season. But I, I, I agree. I would like to see the Nats go out and make that extra move. Uh, I don't know if the White Sox are going to give away David Robertson without one of those top prospects though. And I don't. I don't want to give away Victor Robles personally. I want Soto. I read a lot of a lot of a lot of scouts saying that Soto might have passed uh, Robles at this point in terms of what they have. Uh, I really am looking forward to Eric Fetty after they gave away uh, Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez. Those were two pitchers that I was really looking forward to seeing what they could do. The idea of giving away Fetty at this point too just really hurts me in my opinion. But 
Do you think they can get one of those high-end closers we're both talking about without parting with any of those top three prospects? Or do you think Rizzo can you know, do another lower-level prospect deal and overwhelm somebody? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, while I hope that there's going to be a big deal to bring that, that big arm, I also see the Nats wanting to hang on to Soto and Robles or I don't know. It, it, it may take one of them to get this done. And, mm, you know, you, you, you wonder how long that they, that the, it, it's, it's that tough balance. Win now and let the flag fly forever or have that potential to win for another four or five years after the current window when both these guys are ready for the big leagues. I'm glad that's why they don't pay me to make that decision. I'm just looking at a bullpen. Uh, I I don't know if Joe Bland can turn things around. Matt Albers, don't know if he can sustain that. Just going down the roster here at this moment, Trevor Gott, I like his live arm, but he hasn't proven he can do it at the major league level yet. Matt Grace, I think, kind of gets bumped out of a spot with these guys coming in, or at least a role. Uh, Oliver Perez can function as a loogie now, which he probably should be all along. Any Romero, uh, that big left-hander, he can give you a couple innings. So they have the makings of a really solid bullpen here. Uh, Sean Kelly started throwing again. He could be back. Uh, No telling when uh, Coda Glover could be back, but he could be your closer, obviously. There's the makings of a good bullpen here. We'll see if Mike Rizzo ends up adding to it. But a big move today for the Nationals. A lot of Nationals fans happy. A lot of A's fans I'm seeing not thrilled with the return, what they got for two guys that they love. I predicted boldly in quotes that Sean Doolittle is going to be the next <laughs> big phenom in D.C. because he's got a great personality on top of being a pretty wipeout lefty when he's out there and healthy. So we'll see what the Nationals do next. They got one more in Cincinnati tomorrow. Scott Feldman against Steven Strasburg in a 12:35 finale there tomorrow afternoon. So, not sure if we'll be able to do a show with that odd timing on a Monday afternoon, but we'll see what the Nationals do next. Nats Nightly, sponsored by FederalBaseball.com, 55 and 36. Apologies for the technical difficulties to you and any listeners at the beginning of their doghouse, but as we all know, that stuff happens. Yeah. Go Nats. Time for Twin Peaks.